0: All right, let's turn in our Bibles, our our electronic devices to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And if you're able to, let's stand to honor God's word. If I've not met you yet, my name is Aaron. I am just so thankful you're here today. Listen, you are important. It makes a difference that you're here. Um, And and God, God has sent you here as a gift to us today. So whether you've been coming here for years or you're checking the church out right now, Thank you so much. We're so glad to experience Jesus with you. At the end of my reading, we'll do a call and response. Um, I'll I'll say this is the word of the Lord, and if you choose to, you can uh, say thanks be to God for what he's done and giving us his word. Okay, starting with verse 10. According to God's grace that was given to me, I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder, and another builds on it. But each one is to be careful how he builds on it. For no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid down. That foundation is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire. The fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone, if anyone's work... That he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. I want to also welcome Miguel and Sandra. They took good care of me. And I tried to talk Spanish to them, which is very, very, um, it's a very, very difficult thing to hear me try to speak Spanish. I'm like 5% proficient, but I like to say it. And if you add an O to the end of any word, it kind of gets you there, right? Like sermon i I'm going to give the sermon O today. Yeah, it doesn't quite work. So the, the title of my message today is The Fire We Need. I had not talked to Pastor Josh in a few days, and um, so we, this morning he he came in and he said, "What did he What did he decide to preach on this morning?" And I said, "Well, you know, the fire of God." And he went, "Ooh!" His eyes got big. I was like, "Oh man!" Made me think that sometimes when we when we hear about the fire, like that's the title of the message. There's a couple of reactions. Some people are like, ooh, like Josh, like bring it, the fire. Then other people more just a little apprehensive will say, oh, that sermon today. So I don't know if you're an ooh or a "Oh," but here we go regardless. Uh, Early on in my ministry, um, fire came during one of the sermons I gave. Now it's probably not the fire you're thinking of Because I was preaching to junior high students, and I decided to give an object lesson, the one that you had seen, and most of you have seen all through the 80s and 90s. Preachers used to get flash paper, and they would light the flash paper, and it would poof. And so I thought, I'm going to use this same illustration. There's only one problem. At my young age, I didn't realize that flash paper was needed, so I just went to the copier room, and I got an 11 by 14 sheet of paper, and I got a pen, and I wrote the words sin. So I'm preaching, and I hold up this piece of paper that says sin on it. I'm like, God's fire wants to take away your sin, and I got a lighter out, and I lit it, and all of a sudden, the the flame kept growing. I'm growing, and growing, and I'm getting closer to my hand, and, and I mean, it's, the fire was there, right in the middle of the sermon, and, the fire. and, and now the, the piece of paper dissolved in several different pieces, and it fell to the ground, smoke started coming up, and if I ever needed to, to be Pentecostal, it was that moment, because I started putting out the fire, I mean, if someone would have walked in the room, they would have seen smoke and me dancing like that, they would have said, the fire has come to the junior high service tonight, scared me to death because the smoke actually made the alarms blurt. They went, and I I thought the the whole church, uh, the sprinkler system was going to go off. But thankfully, God saved me from that. Uh, Dwight and Eve, I'm so glad you're here this morning because they were witnesses back there. This is a true story. Uh, Beth told me Eve's going to love that story today. So the fire is kind of an interesting analogy. And you're hearing a lot about fire. Uh, Fire is in a lot of our songs right now. In fact, I bet if I pause for 15 seconds, you'll start humming one of the fire songs we sing right now. A lot of Christian colleges that had the mascot as crusaders decided, you know, it's not great to celebrate war with the Muslims. And so uh, they've been changing their name to like the fire or the flames. So I thought, hey, this is a good thing for us to talk about today. The fire we need because sometimes fire can represent different things to us. And here's the first thing I want you to write down is fire that separates. And this thought came to me in my devotions as I was reading the story of Elijah's ascent into heaven and his protege, Elisha, was walking with him. And 2 Kings 2.11 shows us this this, um, happenstance or occurrence or move of God. As they were walking along, And talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up into heaven in the whirlwind. We see right here that the dimension of heaven and earth was separated by the fire. And this is the type of separation that the fire of God brings into our life. It discerns what is good, what is of God, what is of heaven, and what is of the flesh, and and the the part of our flesh that's not desirable to God. God loves our humanity, for he created our humanity, but the, the, the the sinful part of us that's opposed to God. The idea here is of separation. And God tells us many different ways in his word. When my fire comes into your life, you'll be able to distinguish that which is of heaven and that which is of earth. And there in the scripture we just read, the fire came and it separated those realms. And Elijah went on up to heaven and Elisha stayed here on earth and there was this separation of that which is heavenly and that which is earthly. You see, we live our lives calling for the kingdom of heaven to come to earth. We we wanna see more of heaven break into our lives and to... Uh, our society and who we are. This is why the giving of the Holy Spirit is so powerful. When the Holy Spirit came upon God's people and now indwells God's people, we are carriers of the Holy Spirit, and there's a fire to that. The fire of the Holy Spirit helps us distinguish that that which is of God and not of God. Look at this gospel reading of Matthew chapter three, verse eleven. John the Baptist said this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but one who is coming after me is more powerful than I. I'm not worthy to remove his sandals. He himself will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So we now have this word picture of when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives. It's like a fire. It's a good fire. It's a beneficial fire. It's not a fire that harms. It's a fire that now we're talking about separates the good and the bad from our life. Now, to further give this point, Jesus gives a common illustration to a farming agrarian community. And reading on in verse 12, he says, his winnowing shovel is in his hand and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barns, but the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. This idea of the separating of that which is good and that which is not useful in our lives. The good and the bad. See, here's a problem we have. We are not very effective at identifying the good and bad in our lives because some things that we call bad are actually good for us. Okay, I know this is that my kids don't always wanna go and get up and go to church on Sunday morning or go to youth group on Wednesday night. They don't. And they say, they, they may, and they're faithful, so maybe I shouldn't have been that personal because they really are faithful kids. But but let, let's say Aaron, when I was in high school, that's a better illustration, especially before they all come at 1045. They're not in the service. <laughs> so Aaron Allison, whose parents made me go to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, That was bad to me on many Sunday mornings. That was bad. I'd rather watch football, the pregame football. I'd rather sleep. I'd rather go to the Shoney's buffet breakfast back when that was cool in the 90s. It's like, yeah, man, let's go to Shoney's, cool. 10 years later, it's like, I ain't going to Shoney's. That's why Shoney's isn't around much anymore. But anyway, what I said was bad was good for me, right? What I said was bad was good for me. What I thought was good, not having a curfew and not having restrictions was sometimes bad for me. So we are not good at determining good and bad in our lives. That's why we need the scripture. That's why we need the scripture. That's why we need parenting too. That's why we need the church community. That's why we need the historic faith. Because some expressions of the faith today are not good expressions. They may feel good, but in the end they're bad. Heresy always leads to, um, leads to destruction in people's lives. I mean, bad theology produces bad fruit in the long run. So what we say is bad often is good for us, and what we think is good for us is often bad for us. That's why we are not qualified or effective in determining good and bad in our lives. The fire of the Lord is a good thing because it comes and it separates that which is of heaven and that which is of earth. And it does that. It puts that dividing line in our life, and it's such a positive thing for our life. So it is that Some things that we don't realize are really bad because we're not really in scripture. Like one of the things that like no one talks about in the church, that's a sin that we commit in the church and I have committed the sin. In the book of James talks about favoritism. We treat wealthy people, important people, influential people better than other people. And some church growth strategies actually um, declare that and, and teach that. And the Bible says that's sin. And the sin that I've participated in. Favoritism is a sin in my life. And, and I'm, I'm gonna tell you this, is that the fire of God says, that's not right. I'm separating that which is of earth and that which is of the heaven. And it's right there in the scripture. And now it's right here as I'm proclaiming scripture to you through this sermon. And this is by the fire of God. It's good. It separates the good and the bad in our lives. And that's a beautiful, beautiful gift. It's a gift we should cherish and love and hope for. School starts next week. Sorry to remind you of that. You only got one more week. And God bless you, teachers and administrators. Your summer is gone. It ended Friday you're a teacher, administrator, work for the school, just put your hand up high. Come on, put your hand up high. We want to pray for you. We're going to actually pray. Come on, thank these people. (laughs) With school comes testing. And this is not a political statement. This is just true. Testing is important. It's important. I've done a little bit of teaching. Uh, I understand this, that a good test is not an easy test. If all of my students can ace the test without effort or study or challenge, it's not really a test, is it? God has given his students a test. And that test comes in the form of a fire. That's one of the metaphors the Lord uses. It's a test for the quality. Write this down. Fire that reveals fire that reveals and now we go to first corinthians chapter three which is the passage we've already read together let's just go all the way to verse 12 if anyone builds on the foundation with gold silver this is verse 12 costly stones wood hay or straw this is i love teaching on this and I'm just gonna to touch on it here and there. This is, this is the judgment seat of Christ. This is not the great white throne judgment. So this is not an issue of your eternal destiny. This is God, uh, there's a time I believe God's gonna test the quality of our work so that what is of heaven will pass through to Jesus and will have crowns to throw at his feet. But the Lord is going, before we enter into heaven, he's gonna burn away all of the attitudes and actions And all of the things that don't represent the fruit of the Holy Spirit, that stuff's not going to enter into heaven. Strife's not going to enter into heaven. Prejudice isn't going to enter into heaven, right? Favoritism that I've already spoken to is not going to enter into heaven. Disrespect for the elderly is not going to enter heaven. Oppression of the poor is not going to enter heaven. How many? I don't want all that stuff in heaven right? I mean, it's not there anyway. And so the Lord, we're going to come to a point where, where he's going to test the quality of our lives. And if anyone builds with gold, silver, costly stone, and then now it gives three other things. So the first three are positive. Then the next three are not so positive, wood, hay, or straw. And the scripture goes on, each one's work will become obvious. Let's go on to that next slide. For the day will disclose it. It will be revealed by what? Yes, the fire will test the quality of each one's work. If if anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. He will receive the reward. That's those crowns that we, we put at the feet of Jesus. If anyone's work is burned up, he will experience loss, but thank God for grace, but he himself will be saved, but only as through fire." So I know all of you who are in a hurry to throw people into hell, you might not like that part of the scripture. But for those of you who really want people to make it in, like me, I hope a lot of us make it in. This is saying that the junk in our life is going to be burned away. And our pure motives and our pure hearts, they will be, when they encounter Jesus, they will enter in, will enter into our reward. And I'm just want to tell you this. If you feel like the good things you have been, you have done out of a good heart have been overlooked and not recognized, don't worry, God's looking out for you. He knows exactly what you've done, when you've done it. And on those times when we have received accolades for, for things that we didn't do with the right motives, the Lord's gonna lovingly judge those in our life he is and i welcome that there's a revelation coming the quality of our work matters to god and saints beloved of the lord i i hope this does not disturb you but it encourages you it encourages you that our god is just that that we are not just here living to get our permanent position with God settled we are living out the work of God here on earth every word we speak matters every post we put on social media matters every attitude we develop matters these things matter to the Lord and he loves us so much that he's not going to let sloppy and unbecoming behavior not be consumed by his presence on that day of judgment he wants that spotless bride. And he loves us enough that he's enabled us to be that, not because of what we've done, but because of who he is. And so this vision of the reward and hope pulls us forward because his fire is good. His fire is gonna reveal good things in us. Here's the third thing, fire that purifies. Malachi chapter three, verse two and three, but who can endure the day of his coming? Well, no one can but by Jesus. <laughs> and now we anticipate it. We don't dread it. We look forward to it. Thanks be to God. Just like we opened that song today because his love covers us, doesn't he? What he did for us. But in this old covenant, it, it asks us, and who will be able to stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and like launderer's bleach. He will be like a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and refine them like gold and silver. And they will, be, they will present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. I mean, the presence of the Lord doesn't just judge the quality of, of our work. It transforms our work. Fire doesn't just test us. Fire changes us. I mean, we're not just experiencing this fire that says, oh, you're not measuring up. You're doing terrible. No, we encounter this fire that consumes the things in our life that are not of God, and then it takes those deposits that he's put into us, and it makes us better and pure and, and, and more appealing to him. And, and it's for his purposes, and it becomes a beautiful transformation in our life. You see, with God, fire makes everything better. There's a little phrase that I've heard and I've probably used a few times these last five years, seven years. You'll say something like, man, the thornbergs they're living their best life because they went to some concert downtown and they look like they had fun. Or whatever the case is, you know, Sid's living his best life now because his marathon time reduced. And, and that's cool, okay? I've used that phrase. You, you've used that phrase. And, and way to go, everyone. I know we're all... Accomplishing stuff and traveling and all that. Thank you, Lord, for for your blessings. But the best you is the sanctified you. I want you to hear that again. The best you is the sanctified you. The very thing we need the most, the sanctifying, transforming, purifying work of God is the one thing most of us are trying to avoid we don't like words like holiness or sanctification or purity or sacrifice because for some reason we think it's restrictive. We think that it's uh, unappealing. We think that it's going to stifle us. We think it's gonna make us look bad. It's gonna make us less attractive to people and we wanna be attractive to people. Uh, I'm not even talking in a sensual, physical way. I mean, we just wanna be attractive like with our personality. We wanna be like fun and we wanna be cool. We wanna be relevant and we wanna be uh, someone who, who can kind of bring everyone together. All that, all that desire uh, to, to be attractive, you know, if it's not attracting people to Jesus, then, then it's not our full purpose. It's not exactly what God wants us, uh, who He wants us to be. I mean, we're not supposed to attract people to ourselves, we're supposed to attract people to the Holy Spirit, to the Spirit of Jesus within us. And so, so it is that the best use has sanctified you. And so don't be scared of God's work in you. Don't be scared of a sacrificial life for the Lord. Don't be scared of saying no to sin. Don't be, be scared of living differently than your siblings. Don't, don't be scared of the rejection that'll come from the other parents on the team. Don't be upset if the people in your own small group at church don't understand your sacrificial life for the Lord. They're not your standard. The scripture's your standard. The best you is a sanctified you. When you give it all to Jesus, and I'm trying to do that too, and just present my heart to Jesus. There, this, is, this is what the world needs and will never be as alive as when he has our whole heart that's when we're fully alive. Don't listen to that lie, that voice inside of you that says "Oh, just hold back from God or just manage yourself or if if you're all the way in from God somehow it's going to cost you. It's going to cost you if you don't give everything to Jesus because the enemy is going to win the battle for your life. Jesus says give it all to me. Surrender all to me. I'm going to take what you thought was ugly. I'm going to make it beautiful. I want to take what you called weak and I'm going to make it strong. I'm going to take what you thought would marginalize you and with you I will be with you as I center my purpose and will around everything you do. This is the work of God. Let the fire of the Lord purify you. You will never be as good as when when you give everything to him. The leaders that I've respected the most in my life have often corrected me without ever using words. I'm thinking about a former coach. I'm thinking about a spiritual mentor. I'm thinking about a boss I had. And these individuals carried so much authority and respect in my life that I knew by their eyes when I had done something that was undesired. I want us to turn to Revelations chapter 1. Here's the last point that I want to make. Fire that connects. Fire that connects. And I, I want you to think about a person like that in your life. Who is that person somewhere in your past? Maybe it was a principal in elementary school all the way back to there. Or maybe it's someone in your life right now that they just, they carry so much weight with you. They can just look at you and, and you know, you know that without words that they have uh, improved you. Without words, um, they, they have changed the trajectory of your day or maybe even the trajectory of your life. So we've talked about this fire, fire that separates fire that purifies, fire that judges. So here's a good question. What is the fire? What is the fire? It's this this description. Well, Revelation chapter one, starting with verse nine, gives us this beautiful language about Jesus, language that we don't even fully understand, but still resonates with our hearts. I, John, your brother and partner in the affliction kingdom And endurance that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet. And then let's go on to verse 12. Then I turned to see whose voice it was that spoke to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was one like the son of man. This is Jesus dressed in a robe and with a gold sash wrapped around his chest. The hair of his head was as white as wool, white as nose. And his eyes like a fiery flame. So, what is the fire that we need? It's the eyes of Jesus. Jesus who looks upon our soul, Jesus who looks upon our conduct, Jesus who looks upon our attitudes, our language, our motives. And his fire is a fire of love, but it determines and separates the good and the bad in our lives. It purifies those things that we've given to him. He looks into our souls. He looks into our speech. He looks into our attitudes. So we say, Lord, give us the fire we need. Would you stand with me in an attitude of prayer? Father, give us the fire we need. Give us the fire that we need, Lord. Not, not fire that uh, produces This, this kind of uh, church culture that we're trying to always reproduce. God, we don't want a church culture. We want Jesus and his culture. We thank you for your eyes. Thank you for the eyes of the Lord. Have you thought about the eyes of the Lord in a while? His eyes are upon you. And those eyes of fire are not, are not eyes to fear. Their eyes to welcome the very thing we fear is the very thing we need to welcome. Say, Lord, look upon me. Lord, look upon me. Look upon me. Come on, look upon my attitude. Look, look upon, Lord, the, the way I'm conducting my life. God, look upon my business, Lord. Come on, Lord, look upon my business. Look upon my my, my attitude. It's just the little things. Come on, the little things. Don't 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 exclude God from the little things. There's part of us that we're just so proud of ourselves because we're like, I'm a tither. I'm holding this church together with my attendance. Um, I'm, you know, I could teach 242. I could probably do about as good as Aaron could if I had the mic, right? I mean, we, we just, come on, pride starts coming into our lives. And we're like, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. And then we don't let the, the, the eyes of the Lord start looking into to some of the little things in our life that, that we want to exclude from the Lord. And we just want to say, hey, that's me. That's just the way I am. That's just the way my family is. The Lord, the Lord just wants to go deeper. And He's like, open up those parts of me that you're withholding from me. Open up those parts of me because my eyes of fire, my fire is good for you, the Lord wants you to know. I mean, it's a good thing for you to look into the eyes of Jesus. He, he, he purifies and, and burns out the stuff that we don't need and and we become our best person when we look into his eyes when we turn to him we become our our best us the best us isn't the one that follows his or her own desires it's the one who finds the heart of God and if the the best us is the, the one who finds the heart of God for every situation and Lord that's who we want to be today And we love you and we praise you. And, Lord, we just pray these last couple of minutes we have together that, Lord, you would do your work. Um, You would do your work. Father, burn away the things that need to burn away, Lord. Um, And let us just just embrace Jesus more and more. And we love you. We thank you for that. We're going to open up the Lord's table today. If you're visiting with us, I won't tell you when to take the bread or when to take the cup. But you can take that when you're ready. You can do that on your own. and, and you may choose not to do that today, and that's okay. And we have a large room, uh, our full room today. So we'll have to kind of go in phases, and you guys can figure that out. Uh, I'll be down here at the front in the middle to offer communion by intention, which is taking the bread and, and dipping it into the common cup. And this is just a, another expression. Um, we don't do this. Habitually, We don't do this out of obligation. We do this because we believe the presence of the Lord is in the bread and the cup. Yes, and it's a touch of his presence. It's a touch of his presence. And so we, we confess our sins to the Lord, and, and we um, reorientate our hearts to the things of the Lord. That's what Sunday worship's about, like turning to Jesus, turning to Jesus, turning to Jesus. And his beautiful eyes of fire are looking upon us, and, and it goes so good for us. As Aubrey leads us in worship, the table of the Lord is now open to you.